fun. Tommy, I've got lots of tea bottles. Hello, everybody. I can't see you out there, and these glasses don't help either because they're not by focals. I can only see the word. So um, if I'm looking at you and I'm staring at you, it's because I don't, I'm trying to focus out there. But you know, when I was walking in and I was thinking, oh Lord, we just welcome you in this place. Just come. I felt him say this to me. I'm welcoming you in this place. I'm already here. I'm already in this place and I'm welcoming you. Do you know that he's welcomed each one of us, because he knew who was going to be here tonight. He knew exactly where you were going to sit tonight. I know that because Ian and I went to a prophetic conference many years ago in America, and George, I can't remember his name, Paul Cain, okay, and he was a well-known prophet, and um, he started the evening like this. He said, to the couple sitting in front, he started giving them their background about their child that they had lost and everything. And the couple said, no, it's not us. We haven't lost a child. He said, well, the person who lost that child, the couple, should have been sitting there. And, they, and then he said, where are you? And they were sitting in the stand. It was packed. And he said, but God showed me you were going to be sitting in that chair last night. And they said, we were sitting in that chair. But somebody came across and said, could you please move? They were meant to be sitting there. And I just wonder that we just come in and we don't realize there's nothing that God does not know. He knows exactly where we are sitting. He knows exactly what we are needing tonight. And I just wonder, and when we walk in, we need to know this. He's already here. We are walking in and he's saying, welcome. This is your chair. I know all about you. I know exactly where you are. And um, my topic tonight is this, living with a purpose, walking in purpose, moving in purpose. You have a purpose. That's why you moved. That's why you are here. We just didn't make a plan. God makes a plan. And I love that psalm, that psalm, I think it's 25. Somebody told me that tonight. And I can tell you that the scripture says this, but please don't come afterwards and say, where? I will pretend I know where, and I'll say to you, I will let you know, but you probably won't get it until about a week's time. But I do know it's there. <laughs> and the Psalm 25 says this, show me your ways, Oh God, and teach me your path. You see, God is already committed to his purpose for us. He's committed to that purpose. He's not committed to our own plans. He's committed to his purpose. So we need to be saying, show me your ways, oh God, and teach me your paths. That's what he wants us to do. We were created for a purpose. We know we were created to love him and have fellowship with him, 
fellowship with our Creator, that's first and foremost. But everything that comes out from that is this. He says, my plans, these are my plans in, Jer- in Jeremiah 29, 11 says, my plans for you are to prosper you, are to give you a future, are to give you destiny. That's my plan for you. That's the reason you were created with a purpose, because I already have that purpose planned for you. And it's not to harm you. It's not to harm us. We have an enemy who's come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But the Lord says, but I have come to give you life and fullness of life. So whatever we're walking through, he says, I have not come to harm you, but I've come to see you through into fullness of life. When he, had, when he created us, he had a purpose in mind for us. Isn't that amazing? We were not just here by accident. You know, the devil would love to say, oh, you know, you're just an object. You're worthless. You're no use anymore. You're a failure. You won't amount to much. Actually, you're not needed. But you see, I see this. God has this big puzzle. Have you ever done a puzzle? And you've got to find every little piece to fit into that puzzle. And you know what? He's made you perfectly to fit into that puzzle. There's a space for you in that puzzle. And um, he created us so perfectly that we we can finish off that beautiful picture that he's created in the puzzle. And then he says to us, in the word, thanks, and we are living stones built together as a royal priesthood. We are living stones. We've been created to fit into that wall, into that place. He's created us there. We, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I love that. We're not here by accident, but we are living stones. We are fulfilling his purpose. Paul was able to say this, I have run the race that has been set before me. He's got a race for you. He's already set it out. And Paul was able to say, I have run the race set before me, and I have run it well. We have a race. We have a plan that is set before us. And can we, like Paul, say, I have run that race. That race that God set before me, that plan that God set before me, I have run it, I have completed it, and I have run it well. I know I often say, Lord, when I have completed that which you have set before me, then I am ready to be with you in all eternity. When I have completed that, which you have set before me, God has mapped out the race before us. I love that. As I 
Sometimes, you know, we take a detour. But we can still end up where we meant to end up. It just takes a little bit longer. Have you taken detours? Well, Ian and I had gone to England, and we were ministering at different places, and somebody lent us their little car. It was, I think it was a Fiat, a very old one, and I just had like a gear that went up and down. Do you know those ones? Oh, you don't know those ones. It's, it wasn't my day. And if you sort of wanted to open a window, it flapped like this, and the other one flapped, and it was called Dolly. And every time, you very seldom saw them on the road, but when you did, you would honk, and you would shout, and you would shout, hello, Dolly, and you're, you know, they would shout back, hello, Dolly. It was quite fun. And, um, so, and I had to navigate, because Ian was driving, so he gave me the map. Now, that's very dangerous for me to navigate. I can end up anywhere. And um, so now I'm navigating and I'm saying, you've got to take this road and you've got to go there and you've got to... Now we're going back to London, okay? And we turn a corner and we drive onto it's a, like a three-laner and we move in, we're in the middle... And I see what looks like a huge crane, and I'm thinking in the middle, but in the distance, and I'm thinking, oh, they must be, they must be doing roadworks, because suddenly we stopped. There was no movement. And then I hear this. Now, in the, in the event of an emergency, please get out your car and go to the rope on the side. And I'm thinking, Ian? event of what emergency, and where is their rope on the side? So I'm looking, and I'm thinking, this is crazy. So I undo this window that flaps, and I say to the man in the car next to us, I said, excuse me, but what emergency could there be? He, he said, you don't know where you are. So I said, yeah, I'm on my road to London. He said, no, you're you on a barge. <laughs> I said... A barge. He says, yes. He says, and look, you're right at the edge. I mean, our car was, that's the edge, and we, our wheel was, we could have just gone over backwards into the Thames. And they put a rope behind us, and there were ropes. Well, he was so hysterical. I, was, I wasn't hysterical. I was worried now. And off we went on this barge and landed where who knows where, but we, we drove off on the other side of the Thames. We eventually found ourselves back at, our, at the people we were staying with. Well, they couldn't understand. They said, we've lived in London all these years. I have no idea what barge you could have got onto. <laughs> they said, it's amazing that you even found yourself back here. They had never known there was a barge that took cars across. So I want to say... We got there eventually. We nearly missed the next meeting, but we got there. So sometimes we can make a detour, but you know, God will get us back to the place where we need to be. You know, I know that the enemy can also put obstacles in our way, but we know that God can make a way where no man can make a way. Even when the enemy tries to put an obstacle, he's no match for God. He is no match for God. 
I remember Ian and I, again, I'm sharing lots of testimonies tonight. I remember when we were in America and um, we had gone to see George and Leanne in Alaska. We had um, been ministering in America and we were on our way back to America to minister again and then to Switzerland where Ian was overseeing a church. And as we were sitting in this lounge and there were quite a few there were pastors and apostolic men. We were all gathered around. And I suddenly, out of the blue, said to them all, oh, but hold on, there's going to be a terrorist attack. And I said, and Ian, we've got to leave Alaska now. We've got to leave America now because and to, we need to get straight to Switzerland where we've got a minister because we're going to be held up in America. Two days later, 9-11 happened. And we could not get out of America. We were stuck there for about a week. Nothing moved. And um, we were the first out, you can imagine. I'm in a plane looking at every person there. If they twitched, I called the air hostess. And I said, I know, just look, look um, their belongings. I know there's something. So... Um, <laughs> You know, not a soul could twitch or blink an eye. And I was calling the air hostess across all the time and saying, please check, check, check. You know, when Jesus was returning to the Father, he said to his disciples, I send you as the Father sent me. He came with a purpose. He came with a purpose. He said, I, have, I came to destroy the works of the enemy. And he was saying to his disciples, I'm sending you as the Father sent me. He sent me to destroy the works of the enemy. But we know he also sent him to heal the sick, to heal the blind, to open up the blind eyes, to see the lame walk, and to set captives free. That's what he came to do. And that was his purpose. And he says to us, my purpose for you now is to continue the work that the Father sent me to do. Now, I'm sending you to destroy the works of the enemy and to set the captives free. You know, one day I was saying to the Lord, Lord, what is my purpose? And I felt him clearly say to me, Rosanne, I want you to set my captives free. That's all he said. I want to see my captives set free. And I've always held that in my mind. I want to see captives set free. He also gave um, them this great commission. Make disciples of all men. We know what his purpose is for us. Because he's already shown us his purpose for us. He's already said he wants his kingdom advanced. That's our purpose. We can only do this in relationship with him. We can only do this as we're empowered by his Holy Spirit. The very reason the Holy Spirit came was to empower us. We have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, living in us, moving in us, empowering us. And he says, so to accomplish the purpose that I have for you, 
you need my Holy Spirit because you cannot do it without him. He has fully equipped us to accomplish all that he has set before us. He's given us his power and authority. You know, power without authority is not going to get us very far. We have to have his authority. Okay. So no matter what situation we might find ourselves in, in God, we can complete the race set before us. Not because it's in our strength, but it's because of his spirit working in us. I want to share a little bit of my testimony. I came to that place where I felt I had no worth. I felt rejected. I felt I had no value. I was not good enough. It it was all I could do was to keep my head above water. And I was doing that for my children. I was there for them. I felt sucked dry. I felt I had no hope and I felt I had no future because my dreams were shattered until I had an encounter with Jesus. You see, my marriage had failed. Ian and I met when we were turning 16. He studied to be a chartered accountant. I had worked to support that. And then when he qualified, we had had two children, Susan and John, in the, in the time that, because we got married about 22, and then two years later, I had Susan and then I had John very quickly, one after the other. It was a bit of a shock, but it was good. <laughs> and um, our marriage had broken down. That's when Psalm 40 became so powerful to me. Because it says this, He lifted me up out of the mud, out of the mire, and he set my feet on a solid rock, an unshakable rock, a firm rock that wasn't movable. And he set my feet on a solid rock, and I loved this, and he gave me a new song to sing. He gave me hope. He gave me a future. He gave me a destiny. And he gave me a new song to sing. Not an old song. Not one that was rehearsed. But a spontaneous one. One full of life. One full of hope. He gave me a new song to sing. It all happened one Sunday morning. I hadn't been to church for a long time. And I'm going to cut it short. But that morning, I had guests for the weekend. And I woke up with this feeling I had to go to church. And I kept saying to myself, it's ridiculous. I have friends staying for the weekend. I'd have to ask them to look after my children because at the church there was no Sunday school on a Sunday. It was on a Wednesday. And I thought, I'm going to go and I've got to say, can you have my children and look after them? And so I fought it until 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock. The service started and ended at 10 o'clock. 
I walked in eventually. I felt if I don't go, something sig- I'm going to miss out on something significant that will change my life forever. I didn't know what it was. I got there. I sat at the back because it was already halfway through. And the minister told me later, he saw me come in, and God said to him, I want you to stop everything, and I want you to get this young couple in the front to give their testimony. So he stopped, and he said, can this young, called them up and said, can you please, and they were visiting that Sunday, and he said, can you give us your testimony? I'd never heard a testimony before. And they stood up, and she stood up, and she said how their marriage had broken down. And she said how she had an encounter with Jesus that changed her life. So she started to pray for her husband. And then he stood up and he said, and I had an encounter with God in answer to her prayers. And I I didn't know God could speak. I used to go to bed every night and I'd pray, bless mom, dad, the cat, the budgie. You know, I'd go, I, I, I would just go through the whole thing But God, I heard this quite clearly. And this will be your testimony. And then they began to sing their beautiful chorus. From sinking sands you lifted me. With tender hands you lifted me. From shades of night to plains of light. Oh, praise your name. You lifted me. And as they sang that, I physically felt myself being lifted up physically felt myself coming out out of that sin and mire and muck. And I felt the incredible, awesome presence of Jesus, his holy power right there before me. I started to laugh and cry all at the same time. The minister came down from the pulpit and he went to a little Methodist church on the north coast and he walked to the back to me. The people, my mom and dad were in the front, they never missed church. They came running to the back. And as they came running, the people came running, the whole service had stopped. I shouted this out, Jesus is real. Jesus is real. Jesus is alive. Jesus is right here. And I felt if I put out my hand, I would touch him. He was so real. By the time I got home, all I wanted to do was to learn and to know more about Jesus, the man I had encountered who had lifted me up. I ran down. My mom and dad lived quite close. I ran to the house and I said, give me a Bible. I have to know more about Jesus. Yes, he changed my life. And to just move on quickly. I had encounters. I had a time. Nobody had said to me, Roseanne, you can just invite Jesus into your life. I went home. And two nights later, when that guest had left, I knelt at the bed. And I started to sing that chorus that I'd learned as a little girl. And it goes like this. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today. Come in to stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and as I sang that, my body, my, I felt my heart, everything just opened 
like a book. It was like pages being turned. And then the next minute, I was being lifted up. And I could look down. But there was an awesome fear that hit me. It was an awesome fear that hit me. And I remember thinking, what's going to happen to my children? Ian and I were separated at the time. And I remember thinking, if I see you, Lord, I'm going to just be like a puff of smoke because you are so incredibly holy. And then I came back. Now you'll say, that's odd. I, I can't explain it. I'm just telling you what happened. From that night, I would kneel by my children because I thought God was going to take me. So if I prayed again, I'd pray in their bedroom next to their bed. That's how real it was to me. Then there was another time. We were still battling. Ian was coming and going. We were separated. He would come back. But I just kept reminding myself of what God had said. You know, I had uh, one minister said this to me. He didn't know me. I didn't know him. I'd walked into this. I, just, I used to just walk into any church for Bible study. I was so hungry for the Word of God that I would just find there was a Bible study at a certain church in Durban, traveled from North Coast, and I would sit at the table. And I went into this church, and I started to cry as they were speaking. And he said, and they took me to his office. And when I explained about my marriage, and when I explained what the Lord had said, and I said, I know Ian will be saved. He said, oh. He said, that, I think you, that was your imagination. I think it's something that you wanted to hear. And I remember walking out of there, getting in the car and traveling home. And I felt the Lord say to me, so, Roseanne, who do you believe? And I said, I believe you, Lord. And when well-meaning friends said to me, Roseanne, just move on. You're young, just move on. God would say to me, and so who do you believe? And I'd say, I believe you, Lord. And I remember sitting in front of a lawyer because Ian wanted a divorce, and I sat there. And I put it to him. He said, oh, there won't be a problem. And, and I got home, and God said to me, so who do you believe? I phoned him. I said, if Ian wants a divorce, he must continue, but I want nothing to do with it because I know. He was a Jewish man. I said, I know he's going to be saved. And he, and he just oh, said, are you frightened you're going to lose? I said, no, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. And I, I don't know what the time is. I don't have, I don't have the, please tell me when set, you know, countdown. Okay. <laughs> countdown. All right. And I often think, Lord, I could have resisted that morning in going there. I wonder how many times I, know, I look back and I think, did I resist you there? Did I resist? Was I too busy there? Did I hear you, but I just moved on? We have such a wonderful, faithful, gracious God, but he will continue to work with us no matter what. You see, that morning he restored the purpose that he had for me. But let me just share this. There's some of you that might be feeling like that. There's some of you that might just be feeling it's all too hard. You see, God restored my identity. He restored my worth. 
He restored all these things to me. I, I didn't feel that rejection anymore because he was with me. In fact, he woke me up one night and I didn't know about dreams and visions. You know, the, we hadn't heard really about the Holy Spirit. I just knew the power of God, his saving power. I didn't know about tongues and, and all the other things that go, along, go with it. The renewal hadn't, for us, hadn't quite come. And I remember turning in the bed and um, looking in the archway that went from my bedroom into the bathroom, into the dressing room. And there was this beautiful light. And I knew that the face of Jesus was in that archway, fitting perfectly. But I didn't see his face other than the light, the shape that was around him. And as I looked at this, I knew this was Jesus. And, I, and it stayed with me all night. And I remember getting up. And I remember going and changing John's nappy at the time because he cried. And I came back. And that vision was still there. And I would just look at it and I'd just sleep a little bit and I'd look at it. And then as the sun came up over the sea into my bedroom, that the light faded into the sun. But before it did, this is what he said to me. Roseanne, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you. And he says that to each one of us here, no matter what you might be going through, he says to you, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will walk with you in the purpose that I have set before you. It's not going to be hijacked because when I set something in place, it will happen if we allow him. Don't let the enemy hijack what God has purposed for you. When I felt weak, he empowered me. You see, I had become a captive to the lies of the enemy, which had said, there's no value. What lies have we been listening to? What is the talk that is going on in our mind? What are we focused on? Is it lies or is it the truth of God? You know, it wasn't long after this. I've been prayed was now nearly five years praying, believing. And one night I had an attack by the enemy. There is an enemy. He says, I came to destroy the enemy. He says, do not be ignorant of the strategies of the enemy. Now, why would he say that if the enemy wasn't cunning and had strategies? And, you know, people say, just focus on Jesus. I believe that. But I also believe this. Don't be ignorant that we have an enemy. Don't be ignorant that he has strategies. But we keep our eyes fixed on the one who is all-powerful, who will see us through. But he warns us, don't be ignorant. And that night, I woke up. I was being attacked. 
And I don't want to scare anybody because I want to tell you God is far more powerful. He is far more powerful. And it's an incredible thing to see his power at work. I'm not afraid because I I'm, I'm just get so excited at the power of God. You know, when people were delivered in the Old Testament, I remember the one time he said the man was set free from a demon. And Jesus said, when a demon goes, the kingdom of God has come. We should be getting excited when we see demons flee because the kingdom of God has come. Because God's kingdom is all about setting people free. And so I get excited and the enemy came, but I didn't know too much about the enemy then. I hadn't learned all this. And I, it was a physical attack. Uh, things were happening in the bedroom. And in the midst of this, Ian knocked on the door. He hadn't been there. But it was about one in the morning. And I had to walk down the passage with everything happening. It didn't stop. And I called on the name of Jesus. I called on the blood of Jesus. That's all I knew what to do. We hadn't been taught anything in those days. And as I got to the door and I opened the door, I felt the Lord say, Roseanne, you're not up against flesh and blood, but you're up against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. You're not up against Ian. Remember the man you married. Why did you marry him? Because you loved him. Because of his qualities that you saw him. Now, remember that. Because he's a pawn in the enemy's hand. And now it's time for warfare. I had prayed. I had prayed with others too. Prayed for nearly five years. I didn't know how, what warfare was. I just took the scripture. And it says, bind and loose. I just bound whatever I saw was the work of the enemy. I bound it. Don't give me some theological explanation. And people say sometimes, no, that's not what it means. It meant that to me at that time. I think we've got to get back to simplicity. The word says something, just do it. We can talk it away and say, but it's not actually its meaning. But it was the meaning for me. And I just took and we just... And I had some friends around me, and we just bound what we saw, and we loosed in to receive the, the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he also reminded me nothing would happen unless I forgave. And so every time anything happened, I'd say, Lord, I forgive him. Lord, I release him. Lord, I forgive him. Lord, I release him. Because I wanted to see the power of God at work in him. I didn't want him bound, and I didn't want myself bound. And then one night, he came in, not long after that, that God had revealed that he came, and he knocked on the door, early hours of the morning. I don't know why I always had to get up and open the door, I'm not sure. Maybe I'd locked him out. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I went and I opened the door, and he was standing there, and tears were streaming down his eyes, and you've got to know, he wanted a divorce. He did not want me. But as he looked at me, he said, I don't know what's happening to me. 
You see, he told me later that God had flashed the futility of his life in front of him in a split second. What happened to Paul? Saul to Paul. Happened to Ian. That was the very first sermon he ever heard. Was a Saul to a Paul. And he said to me, you told the preacher. I know you told the preacher. He said, you told him I was coming today. And you see, in that split second, he had an encounter. He didn't know what was happening. And he said, I don't know how to pray. I want you, I want the children, and I want God. He had been anti. If I walked into a room when we were separated and he was there, with all his mates, and I walked in, he would make the men stand up and sing, stand up, stand up for Jesus. That's how empty he was. But now he's standing there, and he's saying, I want you, I want the children, and I want God. And he said, I don't know how to pray. You're going to have to pray for me. My first thought was this, what have you done? I think you're trying to soft soak me. You know, didn't Peter when they were praying for Peter to come out of prison, when he arrived, they said, it's got to be an angel. I had the same experience. I thought, is this for real? And yet that's what I've been praying for. He never looked back. The next week he went on an old Sharks rugby tour. He didn't play for the Sharks. He played rugby. I think they took him for a party. And when he got to Swaziland, where there was license to kill, he couldn't do all the things that he had done before. And when he walked out, I'm not going into detail, when he walked out and he got in the car coming back and as he, and he, just remember, he knew nothing really of the Bible at all. His parents didn't go to church except for a wedding. And when he came through the border post, he handed in his passport and he said to the man, you see that man in this passport, he no longer lives. There's a new man. He did not know the scripture that says, the, when we are in Christ, we are a new creature. The old has gone and the new has come. The new has come. Within 16 months, we were invited. We were asked to take over two Methodist churches. 16 months he had never studied. But they saw the power of God at work in him. We had 24 hours to decide. It was hard. I didn't want to leave my beautiful home. You know what we were doing in our home? People were coming from all over. Oh, he was notorious before, and now everybody wanted to see what had happened. <laughs> he was a wonderful man, but yeah. And they were coming. We were having revival meetings by then. The Holy Spirit was just moving. And you know, one bedroom would be the place where people were saved. Another bedroom would be the place where people would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Another bedroom would be the place where there was deliverance. Another bedroom would be the place where there, we, there was prayer for healing. We were at that point to enlarge our home when we were called into ministry. That's the miracle-working power of our God.
And you know, we go through seasons. Please tell me, I can't see a thing here. What is the time? Time to finish now. We're coming down. We'll leave the other. <laughs> we go through seasons, don't we? And I look back and Deline's sitting there. We had an incredible season when we were at Toti. We saw many, many people delivered. It was a season of deliverance. People were coming from all over to the point where we were actually exhausted. Because you see, the devil can also keep you busy. So we had to discern the real from those who just wanted the attention. Because it was happening in every meeting. It was happening in the church services. People were being delivered even as they sat. Then we had the move of the Holy Spirit. That was a crazy time. And you know what? I was teaching on deliverance, and I was teaching on the Bria. And then I heard about all these funny things that were happening. And I said to the ladies, oh, I'm going to go and discern this. I think this could be the devil. And I said, you know, here I am. I've got the badge. I'm going to go and discern this. You know, so I go to this meeting where all the pastors are. Ian says, come with me. I'm the only lady. They put on a tape by this man who's talking about what happened to him in, in England. To, no, in England. And as he's describing how the spirit just moved in, I looked at the pastor next to me, his, his shoes, and I thought, oh my word, they're looking quite peculiar. And I started to laugh and laugh and laugh. And Ian said to me, I think you better go out. So I said, well, I'll just go to the toilet. So I got up to go to the toilet. I hit, I flew across the room. I hit the wall. I flew back. I landed with my head in the flower pot. It was a big, my head was down, my legs were up. And I didn't know what had happened. And when I eventually got out of that flower pot, it was a palm, actually. And when I eventually got out, I knelt on the floor. And I don't know why they listened to me. But I said to all the pastors, I said, get on your knees. And I said, follow me. And they did. They absolutely did. And now we're going in a circle. And I'm singing, pastors row the boat ashore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you, I'm cutting it short, but we had an incredible time. The Holy Spirit came. We had meetings every single night, and people who were skeptical would go and say, we're getting out of here, we're going home. Deline, and they would be lying in the pavement. They would be lying in their cars. They couldn't get out. They couldn't move. God was just moving supernaturally amongst us. That was a season. And I'm saying, Lord, do the things that you have done before. Oh, you sometimes see I, I wobble. Yeah, I did peculiar things. But I try and hold it. But sometimes I lose it, like jumping off a stage. Okay. But uh, you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> uh, he's restoring my youth, you know. He's restoring my, but you know, the God's joy is our strength. I want to leave you with this. It's his joy. It's his joy. He takes us through seasons, but doesn't matter what seasons we might walk through. He takes us through. I love that. I'm going to leave you with the scripture. I only heard it the other day. 
I don't know where I heard it. But you know when we say, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. It actually means this. We can go through all seasons because Christ strengthens us through it. No matter what season you're going through, Christ is walking with you and strengthening you through that season. We have good, we have difficult, we have resistance. I know this in ministry. But in it all, he brings us through. Whatever season you're facing, Christ will see you through that season. Let's stand. Lord, I just thank you that your presence is here with us. That you give us joy in the morning, no matter what we might be facing. No matter the tough times. You bring us comfort, but you give us joy. Because joy is our strength. And I want to pray for anybody here where you might feel, Rosanne, I want that joy. I feel the enemy is hindering that, my purpose, because my mind is set on the negative things and who I am, but not the words of God, but the words that he wants to say where he says you'll never make it. I declare over you tonight, you'll make it. You'll more than make it. You'll abundantly more. And make it. Because he's a faithful God. And what he did for me and Ian, his hand is not shortened to perform his works. And where you think, well, I failed. But you know what? His purpose for you is not determined by what the season you're in or whether you failed or whether you didn't make it or whether you were distracted. It's not determined by that because he's more than able to bring you out of it and through it. It's determined by who he says he is and by who he says you are. Oh, Jesus, we love you. We love you. You are alive. You are real. And you are here. Nothing has changed. So I just cry out and say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, show us your ways, O Lord. Teach us your paths, O Lord. Enable us to fulfill and be fruitful in all that you've called us to do and to be. And I say, come Holy Spirit, move afresh on us. Move afresh with your power. Move afresh. We want those living waters where we feel dry. We want a touch by you again. We want that when they cried out and said, stretch out your right hand, O God, and do the things that you did before. The earth shook. The room shook. 
We want a dramatic encounter with you, Lord. We want that mighty wind. We want the tongues of fire. Oh, shut up. Just begin to pray in tongues. And if you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you to come up. Let this be a place where people are saved, where people are healed, where people are delivered, where people are set free. Let this be that place. And if you need to be baptized in His Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to stay behind. You have an encounter with God tonight. You have an encounter with Him. Our God, uh, let's lift up our hands. Let's just declare who He is.